Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams, and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well, plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Try Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost, built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, incredible load times, and 24-7 WordPress priority support, your sites will be lightning fast with global reach. And with Bluehost Cloud, your sites can handle surges in traffic no matter how big. Plus, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. Get started now at Bluehost.com. Achtung, achtung, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk, Operation Gamora, episode two. It was only going to be one episode, <laughs> uh, but there we go. Yeah, yeah, but you know, wow, well, was it, though? Well, I mean, this is this is as big a battle as Kursk, as the invasion of Sicily, as the invasion of uh, Salerno. It's as big an, in, in, as a 1943 military event. It's, it's one of the biggies. It's one, of, And it's the climax of Bomber Command's maturation, isn't it? It's the moment the moment yeah. Bomber Command yeah. crosses the threshold into being as important a moving part of the Allied war, war effort as any other. I've lost count of the times where I've been talking about the Battle of Britain and, I'm, uh, and I've said something along the lines of the biggest raid on September the 15th, 1940, involved 100 German bombers. Of course, the damage is going to be limited when they're going to carry, you know, and they're twin engine and uh, not four engine. You know, and I've always say, you know, if you want to destroy a city, what you need is 3,000 aircraft of four engines. You know, that's how to do it. Uh, you know, and that's what they're doing with Hamburg. And, and, and it's, it's as you say, it's, you know, when Harris comes in, you know, he wants to do the Thousand Bomber Raid in May 1942, just after he's he's become Commander-in-Chief of Bomber Club, because that is the template. That's what he recognises is that that is what you need. You need a thousand bombers going over in one raid to pummel a particular target, absolutely shower that target with as many incendiaries and high explosives as you possibly can, and kill as many Germans as you possibly can. It's it then takes him another year, effectively, or 10 months, to mar- up to March 1943, to get to the point where he can start his all-out bomb offensive with serious numbers of bombers. And with any degree of reliability or predictability, yeah. Right, and and, and with with de- half-decent uh, navigational aids. And, of course, H2S is coming in, but it's still kind of a bit a bit early doors in the beginning of March 1943. Yep. But that's yep. okay, because they've got Oboe, and Oboe can get to get them, you know, has the range to get to the Ruhr. But Oboe doesn't have the range to get to Hamburg, but H2S does. There's all sorts of reasons why it happens at the end of July 1943. But in April 1943, the Air Ministry Target Committee lists Hamburg as the number one priority. 
And that's primarily because of its shipbuilding capacity and, and shipbuilding industry. But also because they think it'll go up in flames. Because it'll go up in flames. They think it'll work. And, exactly and, that. Uh, and this, but this is all, I mean, that's a, I think that's a, also a really interesting part of the thinking, isn't it? Because Bomber Command not only has to work it has to be seen to be working well well it has to work but it also has to be you know you do a big a big victory like hamburg a big thing like hamburg that's you seem to be working it's a, the politics of it is it has to has to appear to be effective as well as be effective right you know harris is he's a politician as much as he's a bureaucrat isn't he yep. and yep. he knows that you know post post casablanca the america and again there's always this undertone with with British decision making that you need to get your blows in before the Americans arrive, outnumber you, out outclass you, and outpunch you. Eighth Air Force isn't isn't anywhere near capable of this in in mid nine forty three, and that's obviously because Eighth Air Force is eighteen months behind uh, Bomber Command in terms of its foundation, its its equipment, its training, its assembly, its its doctrine its practice and all that so so you know this is not unlike the british in 1944 on land thinking we need to we need to score some big victories before basically we're the junior player because you know if the americans deliver on what they say they're going to do britain will be the junior player sooner sooner you know eventually so 43 is the year for bomber command to to be the senior player without argument on the continent isn't it and in fact within the british war effort because the na- the navy's Chasing U-boats and dealing with the Med, isn't it? Bringing about the invasions in the Med and doing what it can. But, but the- I also think that Harris, you know, Commander in Chief of Bomber Command, and people like Portal, who's the um, you know Chief of the Air Staff, I, I think they absolutely believe that if they can get this right, this will bring about the end of the war. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, the, the, yes, the, they, the, you know, the, an early end of the war. I mean, they, they think it will destroy Germany. That you know, that and, and then you don't have to have armies. I, I don't think that that that's hot air. I think they no, genuinely I think, believe it. I think they really do believe that. Although I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? When when they're talking about um, when they're discussing, you know, where's best to bomb anti-Nazi places or pro-Nazi places or whatever. Oh yes. Um, uh, Portal says it's a moot point whether bombing produces a more desirable effect when directed upon anti-Nazis than upon the faithful, which I think is it's yes, so in interesting. Words, don't throw that kind of crap in my way. Yeah, yeah, please, please, you know, remember you know. remember what you want to achieve here. Thanks very much. It's uh, interesting, it, isn't it? Because because I mean, I was I was rather staggered to learn that Hamburg had been tacked 127 times between 1940 and the end oh, of yeah. 1942. Yeah. Uh, but but these are all kind of little poxy raids. You know, this is yeah. sort of 20 aircraft here and sort of 15 there and 30 yeah. there, and it's all on the you know it's all on the ports and yeah. all the rest of it. But but one of the things that kind of works in Hamburg's favour is it has this very distinct coastline uh, leading up to it. So sort of 60 miles out, it's really easy to spot. It can be nowhere else other than yeah. other than Hamburg. That's obviously a massive aid to. To, to navigation h2s the way that works is it is you look for the water don't you so if you're yes, exactly that exactly so that all works in its favor yeah then then, then there's the the mew the ministry of economic warfare they have a list it's fourth on the overall list yeah. of, of targets in germany behind berlin duisburg and bochum which i think is quite interesting there's 10 very small raids up to july 1943 but there is this sort of growing feeling that it's kind of sort of it's hard to justify not bombing Hamburg. Yeah, you know it's yeah. within range. It's easy. It's it's about the easiest target to get to. Yeah, it's it's full of medieval buildings that will burn. Yeah, it's densely populated. It's got the port facilities. It's got huge industrial complexes. 
it's the second city in Germany. Why wouldn't you? Well, well exactly. Once, well, once you've made all these, you know, intellectual con- and moral concessions to what you're going to have to do, done the research and built the equipment and spent the money, what else would you do? Uh, where else yeah. would you bomb? But but what they're all building, you know, they've done this all out assault on on the Ruhr, sort of pummeling it, you know, night after night. What's the next phase of this? What's what's the step up from yeah. this? Well, it's it's destroying a city, isn't it? It's burning a city. And that's the next thing. That's what all this 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 research on incendiaries and magnesium based incendiaries and oil based incendiaries it's all been leading up to this. And again, if your if your principle is actually what we're really trying to do here is is kill as many Germans and maim and and stop people being able to work as much as possible with industrial damage as a byproduct rather than the other way around. Then again, Hamburg is is your obvious target, isn't it? But there's a, but there's a few but but they've been doing all this research on on bombs and incendiaries and winds and the timings and all this kind of stuff. And they've been improving their navigations. And obviously, aircraft production has been massively increasing so that you're now in a state where Bomber Command actually can send out 750 plus 800 bombers in one go. It's not a sort of, let's sort of scrape all the training schools and uh, and, all, and training command to, to, to get a thousand bombers in the air. It actually can be done pretty regularly now. There's that many Lancasters coming off the production belt and production line and Halifaxes and what have you, and indeed mosquitoes. But there's a further aid, isn't there, which is window, which is this this tinfoil, or it's tinfoil one side, paper on the other, sort of 30, 30 centimetre strips one and a half centimetres wide, and you, and you drop them in clusters. And the whole point about this is this then gets picked up on sort of cathode ray screens of radar as just a whole load of disturbance. And you can't tell what's bomber raid and what's what. It sort of basically scrambles your radar. Yeah, it's the it's cut at the length of the wavelength of the radar, isn't it? So it's a 27 centimetre by two centimetre strip. Yes. And the, it, it, reflects, it reflects radar back in a way that can... Conf- baffles and confuses and and this is the telecommunications research establishment that, that they've been thinking about it you know rv jones watson watt and rv jones have both suggested that foil falling in the air might create you know, this kind of effect so they've been they've been kicking this idea around i mean in a way it's the reverse of the fact that the mosquito is fairly stealthy because it's made of wood because it doesn't have lots of reflective metal surfaces the reciprocal reciprocal yeah, bearing yeah, yeah. of that yeah and and it it's really really interesting because the once you understand radar you're going to you're going to invent this so the the germans have this thing duple that they that they've they've been experimenting with chaff and it's basically it's part of the technological arms race that's going on the race that's going on around b- bombing and they they hold off using it, don't they? they yeah, yeah, because because Robert Cockburn, you know, invents yeah. it effectively yeah. at the end of 1941, and originally it's going to be used in May 1942 with the thousand bomber raids, but but it's Lindemann who stops it. Yeah, and and his worry is that he that he he's got they've got wind that the Germans have used something similar, but have got something similar but haven't used it, and he doesn't want to use it until we've got an antidote for it. Although there is, there really isn't one because it reflects radar, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's well. It, you, so you have to have more sophisticated radar. But yeah, but but yeah. by the end of 1942, the British have got this because this stuff. This is stuff that people will call chaff now, and you'll see you see aircraft firing it out um, as a as a countermeasure when they think they, you know, something's locked onto them. It's it it still it still exists. It's still still being used. It's still a thing. But yes, yeah, so they hold it off, and there's the. I mean, I think it's very interesting, isn't it? Because because there's a lot of argument about Harris's attitude is the minute you've got it, you should use it because if you've got an advantage, the chances are you, you're basically playing cat and mouse with the other side. If you've thought of it, they've probably thought of it too. So 
use it use it while it still offers you advantage straight away and like as you say not allowed to which i think is really 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 interesting but it is the thing that after all the german reaction to window that follows the hamburg raid means if they had used it early would they have had the window advantage for the hamburg raid probably not big thing that hamburg that Gamora causes is the germans completely reorganizing their fighter defense so because uh, they realized so had they used it earlier they probably would have done well, exactly, have done it earlier. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And then we'd be, the Hamburg raid. So Lindemann was probably outcome. right. Lindemann was probably right on this on on this occasion. But, but by the end of 1942, they have got, they've got the British AI radar, they've got GCI radar, they've got you know the US have got the SCR 270 radar. All the all these are able to cope with Windows. Well, and, and more importantly, they've got a Versberg radar, so they can which was which has been picked up by John Frost um, uh, in Operation Biting um, yep. the Brun the Bruneval raid. So they've yes. they've. They've managed. They've had a proper look at what the Germans are using. Yes, um, uh, able to take that to bits, put it back together, and, and figure out exactly how to jam it. But but then it's still blocked. And I felt I felt this is yeah. just absolutely fascinating. So so Portal, chief of the defence staff um, of the air staff, rather, he, he approves it in the early summer of 1943, um, uh, and it's going to be used on Hamburg when they're going to do the Hamburg mm. raid. But they can't use it until the chiefs of staff then block its use yeah. before yeah. Husky. Yeah, and the fear is that if they use it for Husky, then the Germans will then immediately deploy Dupel, and and that will get it, in the way of the invasion of yeah. Sicily. But at the same time, the, the 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 Germans don't have don't have a strategic bomber effort. That precaution is over is over precautionary in that. So regard. so it's not. But I think, I think for, approved for use until the fifteenth of July, nineteen forty three. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, I, I, although I would say, I mean, I I you know like had that had they used it before um, Hamburg. Would it? Would it have? Especially if they'd used it over Germany, would it have caused the Germans to reorganise? Well, no, no I, I'm would, sure it would have done. If you're going to use it, you, you know, you, you're, you're never going to have a better chance to use it on the, than on the special first occasion. Time you use it, yes. yeah, yeah. so you want to use it for a special occasion. And what could be more special than destroying Hamburg yeah. from, from a from a from a British point of view? So we should get to the raid itself. <laughs> it's only taken us yes an episode and a half. The build-up is, is is key to the whole thing. You, you know, it's it's not just you know. This is what, what I, I think. So many people just assume that the bomber command is just emerges kind of fully formed in the summer of nineteen forty three and can destroy destroy Hamburg. The, the point I think is just so fascinating is just how much effort, how much boffinage, um, how how much science has gone into getting to the point where they are sending over the first seven hundred and twenty eight aircraft on the night of the twenty fourth, twenty fifth of July. Well, and those aircraft are. Three hundred forty-seven Lancasters are bombing on the on the on the first one. The first one. This is what the this is what bomber command is doing, right? Yeah. So, uh, there's three hundred forty-seven Lancasters bombing Hamburg, thirty-three bombing Italy, right? Yeah. So, so still going to Italy. Two hundred forty-seven Halifaxes are bombing Hamburg. Two are doing um, ca uh, radio counter radar countermeasures. Eighteen are doing resistance supplies. One hundred twenty-five Stirlings. Seventy-three Wellingtons. Seventy-three are going to Hamburg. Yep. Six are mining the River Elba. Two are doing um, countermeasures. Seven are dropping leaflets. And then you've 13 mosquitoes on diversions and nuisance. Two on countermeasures. Four on intruder That in that opening, the opening sortie. Wow. Which I think is really interesting that, that they're still mining the Elba. It's really interesting. So they, so they, the first plane to leave is a Sterling. Um, he's yeah. not the first person to get there because he's slower than the main bomber stream. So he has to yeah. leave early. It's still a composite force. Mm -hmm. He's not quite got to the point, um, you know, because the, the Thousand Bomber raids the year before are, are do include lots of Wellingtons and Coastal Command and basically absolutely anything that can be. Anything that can fly. But to be effort. He's getting there. He's getting there. It's all heavies at this, apart from those. Well I mean, it's interesting. There's Wellingtons even in July 43. 
at the end of it, how many bombers they've, they've lost, you know, it's a 2.5% total. Yeah, if you're, seven, isn't it? Total yeah, if you're like bang, for, if, if, if this is, I mean, if, for want of a better phrase, if this is about bang for your buck, this is about destruction in return for effort. I mean, it, it, it's... It's, well, what's what's that? So, 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 so let's say that that average out as because not all of them have got seven crew, but no. But, but let's just say eighty times seven. Well, that's five hundred sixty people lost, either and you've, dead or or. And BOW. you've destroyed Germany's second city. Yeah, I mean that's we'll, we'll get into the arguments about how well re- Hamburg's rebuilt. I mean, five hundred sixty people isn't isn't one battalion. No. So on that anyway, first raid, anyway, the first raid, just under one hour in 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 time. Span, yeah, yep. they come over in a stream, so they don't come over in formation. Um, 2,284 bombs dropped, including 17,000 incendiaries. For so, so what happens with incendiaries is you, you drop the bomb and they they then disperse into a little cluster. Um, 17,000 incendiaries for every square kilometer. Fifty percent of the bombers hit the three mile aiming zone. The rest hit northwestern residential areas. Estimated ten thousand two hundred eighty nine killed on that first one, but it doesn't create a firestorm no. on the first one. In, uh, Martin Middlebrook's book about the Battle of Hamburg is is fantastic, and um, he has the F- Hamburg Fire Department's master log from the um, that first night three o two a.m. All clear. In under Alster, all houses reported on fire. Hospital at corner of Richardstrasse and Eilbeckerweg, 200 people trapped. Firefighting forces too weak to combat fires. 3.22 a.m., Fire Department Division 3 to Dresdner Bank, Jungfernsteig. 3.29 a.m., large fires at Schenkendorfstrasse, Schillerstrasse, Kanalstrasse, Zimmerstrasse and the Reeperbahn request for more five more fire units. So they're basically, they're rushing about Trying to put fires out, and this is and this is just on day one, night one. Yeah, yeah. So the um, next day, yeah, twenty fifth of July, mm. and the day after twenty sixth of July, that's when the eight Air Force hit by day, and their their loss is ten percent over two days, so it's not very effective. Ninety six aircraft attacking Hanover on the twenty sixth of July, fifty four only on Hamburg. You know, compared yeah. to seven hundred plus. I mean, it's 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 very very small beer yeah. in the big scheme of things, and and not terribly effective. The the mother of all raids is the night of the twenty seventh, twenty eighth yeah. of July. That's the firestorm. That's that's the one that absolutely everything just converges yeah. into into the perfect storm of destruction. Yeah. There hasn't been any rain since the 22nd of July, so everything's very dry. There's very, very unprecedentedly low humidity as well. And on the evening of the of the 27th of July, it's 32 degrees in Hamburg, so it's hot, hot, hot. Well, and one one inhabitant says it's a beautiful, balmy, perfect summer's evening, the most perfect summer's evening in, in Hamburg you could ever hope for. The uh, operational record book of 83 Squadron made this comment. We were given to understand that our last few raids had done more to end this war and save thousands of brown types than anything so far. Brown types being soldiers. The air crew do feel that they are at last really achieving something vital towards ending this war and their spirit and press on attitude is at a peak. So the men doing this raid think that they're they're still. They know they're still not flesh. They, they they know what they're doing. It's not some. It's not a mysterious policy that lurks in the background. This is a thing that the the guys in those aircraft think is the point. And also, you know, all these guys are going to go to a briefing, and they're going to go. These are your targets. The targets are the working class districts of Hammerbrook, Borgfelder, Ham, Bilverder, Hohenfelder, and and Rottenburgost. That can't be anything other than a residential area, can it? No, I mean, so, what else? What else are these? What else are these places? Places, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's not like you. You know, you're going to hit this great big factory here. That no one's being told that. 
So, so they all know what they're doing. So this is an hour, and it's twelve on it's twelve hundred tons of incendiaries in a two square mile, con- uh, you know, concentration, and that becomes this this the firestorm. Yeah, and the, the the descriptions of it are of howling winds going up streets and people's clothes being sucked off them and people trees dying, being uprooted. Trees being so, uprooted. So, yeah, so, so, it's, so, so what happens is is it, it suddenly you've got this wind. And and then the flames get get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they start sucking in oxygen. And because they're sucking in this oxygen, that is creating the wind. And and the wind is 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 absolutely immense. And the flames are are rising two miles. I mean, two miles is three thousand four hundred yards, isn't it? So what's that, about three thousand two hundred meters? So it's like fourteen thousand feet, thirteen thousand feet into the air into the sky, which is why people could see it for 100 miles. And, and, and the wind is acting like a sort of giant bellow, which then creates this temperature of in excess of 800 degrees Celsius at the, at the, at the heart of it. So, so bodies are just being, you know, humans are just being sucked into the flames and, and, and completely kind of mummified or incinerated immediately. And, and the problem is that because of the sucking out of the oxygen, you're also drawing the oxygen out of the cellars and basements. So people are dying of, you know, people who are down there are dying of carbon, carbon monoxide. monoxide poisoning. Yeah. 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 And There's a record of 18,474 killed. I mean, yeah. can, can you imagine? I mean, it, it, it's just, it's absolute hell on earth, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's horrific. There's, there's a woman called, uh, again, in uh, Martin Middlebrook's book, Kate Hofmeister is a 19-year-old milliner whose home was in the Gravenweg in Hammerbrook, so one of those neighbourhoods we, we just mentioned. Yeah. Um, and she's with her aunt, and they're, they're, trying, to, they're, they're, they're um, trying to escape. We came to the door, which was burning, just like a ring in a circus through which a lion has to jump. Someone in front of me hesitated. I pushed her out with my foot. I realised it was no use staying at that place. The rain of large sparks blowing down the street were each as large as a five-mark a five mark piece. I struggled to run against the corner of the Sorbenstrasse, the ground floor of which had not yet caught fire, where I was able to rest for a little while in the entrance to regain my breath and to get out of that shower of sparks. My mother, my aunt Emma and myself had all left the doorway of our house at about the same time. While I was resting, my aunt came and stood with me. I had a little bag of, with my papers and jewellery, but my hands were already burnt by the sparks and I dropped the bag. My aunt told me to leave it there. I was terrified, but she was so calm and determined to get through the fires to find a safe place. And eventually... She, Aunt Emma and I stood by a row of four big trees that were on fire. And again, we discussed what we were going to, we were going to do. I suggested we roll down this bank. It was too steep to get down any other way. I took my hand out of my aunt's and went. I think I rolled over some people who were still alive. I lost my aunt at that point. By then, my face and arms and legs had been burnt so that I could only act by touch. But my burns had not yet started to hurt. I felt a thick woolen blanket. I knew by instinct it would be safer under that blanket. We'd always, always been told over and over again that a woolen blanket would protect us against fire because wool does not burn but only smoulders. I got in under it and stayed there. Basically, finds a, finds a ring that her aunt wore that is how she knows that her aunt died. Her father and two uncles died later and her mother turns up in the hospital in Cassel afterwards. So whole families simply disappearing in the fire. In the, I mean, it was interesting. Those accounts are very like the ones of uh, the firebombing of Tokyo that um, James N. Scott has in his book of people people being separated from other people. The wind, like bellows, fire everywhere. You you losing your bearings. Sole example: people, you know, one person in 
group surviving and they don't really know how and all that sort of thing. It's ho- horrible, absolutely diabolical. And the amazing yeah. thing, it's not the end of it either. No. Many, uh, there's another guy, Johann Burmeister, who's a greengrocer. Many people started jump burning and jumped into the canal. Horrible scenes took place at the quay. People burned to death with horrible suffering. Some became insane. Many do- dead bodies were all around us. I became convinced that we too would perish there. I crouched with my family behind a large stack of roofing material. Here we lost our daughter. Later on, it transpired. She jumped into the canal and almost drowned, but was saved by an army officer. And she returned to us the next morning. Please spare me from having to describe further details. Is what this guy said to Middlebrook. Anyway, and it's uh, and as you say, it is an over. They they um, there's another raid the following there's another raid the following night. Yeah, yeah. Well, two nights later, 29th, 30th of July. Yeah, further seven hundred and seven bombers. Um, and again, residential residential areas destroyed. Nearly ten thousand people killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the cum- cumulatively. Best part of a million evacuated, 900,000, 61% of Hamburg's houses destroyed. 61% of a major city. I mean, imagine that was Birmingham, 61% destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. 580 industrial premises destroyed, 2,632 shops destroyed. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's absolutely extraordinary. And and the consequences of that, those series of raids, the Gomorrah raids, are are just enormous. The, 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 you know, a Rubicon has been crossed, I think. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Welcome back to We Have Ways. Uh, James, I mean, the point is the attacks on Britain, and especially Coventry, were at the forefront of Harris's mind, weren't they? They're, they're very much part of the context of what's happening. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that by 19, the end of 1941, the, the British Air you know, the Air Ministry are talking in terms of Coventries. Yes. So this is what you need. You know, four Coventries is what's needed to destroy a city. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, because Coventrieren is a German, becomes a German verb or a Nazi yeah. verb. Yeah. But it's, they're not the only people saying that. The British are looking for Coventries. Hyo Herman is out fly is flying on the uh, second, isn't he? On the on the second raid, where basically he's given he's given carte blanche to get his planes up and attack in in the Wildsau style, isn't he? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. This is his, this is his wild boars. His wild boars. The idea being that 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 you get up there, you go, you you get up there, and you roam about, and you you get into the bomber stream and you attack, because up to this point the Germans haven't really had a um, a way of a, a coordinated night fighter system. So they, they changed that, you know, they abandoned, there's the Kambuna line that, that they get ditched, don't they? And they st- start with boxes and Wildsau and Tamesau and all that sort of stuff. But what also happens is the shift goes to fighter production in industrial production, that there's a, there, there is, there is a complete effect 
script because sub, there, there's a sort of argument, well, Hamburg's kind of rebuilt a few months later. Not unlike the, well, the dams are rebuilt a few months yeah, later, yeah. But, but but yeah. No, you've got to look beyond that. You've got to look beyond that. vast expense Hamburg is rebuilt. Had had Hamburg not been hit, it would not need to be rebuilt. That that, that diversion of German effort would not have to have occurred. You know, the, the, I mean, Hitler, Hitler then says, well, "Well, what we're going to do with this is we're going to bomb England," and everyone sort of groans. <laughs> um, um, but, but 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 in actual fact, that doesn't. I mean, you know, they have the Baydecker raids of, of, of yeah. early nineteen forty four. But but to all intents and purposes, it doesn't happen. They just ignore it. Yeah. Even Goering and certainly Milk does. Milch. Um, and then the number two. And by this time, he's taken, you know, Udet's gone. So he's taken over complete control of procurement and everything. And he goes, right, okay, we've got to overhaul absolutely everything. You know, can't wait wait for, for Fat Herman yeah. to kind of organize yeah. it all. So, so I'm going to just grip this. Uh, and you're absolutely right. You know, what the other thing is the Cam Huber um, defense line, which is this idea that you have have these, these square blocks, a sort yeah. of grid over Northwest Europe, uh, and you have defenses in that gr- grid that deal with any intrusion over that airspace yeah that's all kicked into touch and there's a total total overhaul of the air defense system in the second yeah. half of 1943 it is absolutely recreated on the model of of the their defense system of great britain you know yeah. with the downing system this yeah. idea that you have observer core you know observers on the ground you have these incredibly sophisticated uh, um control rooms operations rooms which are basically again a bit like the uxbridge bunker or yeah. you know the standard fighter command um, operations room where you can see a map and you've got lights of what planes are doing what and you know there's a guy on a dais that can see everything the only thing is of course is is that you know by this time it's 1943 not 1938 and so everything's changed yeah and, and actually what you've got is glass screens with lights and you know it's just so but it's the same but just just more sophisticated yeah and that transforms how how the germans defend the Reich, but but as you say, the biggest change is reduction of three thousand fighters per month. Yeah, uh, and the fast tracking of, of of fighter pilots. Yeah, so and, it changes everything. Well, and our diversion of guns and aircraft away from the where the where the, where the fighting is. Well, so, and particularly anti aircraft guns into the Reich. Um, so, so, so it's interesting because because the the, the consequences of Hamburg are are, are are at face value deeply disappointing to Harris and Bomber Command. He thinks right, okay, next stop Berlin. Then let's do it to Berlin. And he can't, and they they can't make it happen in Berlin. Yeah, he can't make it happen because Berlin is a newer city. It's actually not very old at all, and it doesn't have that medieval streeting that uh, streets that 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 Hamburg does. And it's too well defended, and the mm. cat's out of the bag, and you know, yeah. windows not as effective, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And the point is, you can only destroy a city when you get everything right. Yeah, you know, that what, includes if, it if, being the, but that includes it being the right city, that they, the right they, city, the, the right weather, they, the right yeah, combination of, of technology, exactly. technological advancement, of, of, an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And so it can't, and so it just doesn't work, and that's seen as a massive failure. And the war isn't over by December nineteen forty three, and bomber, you know, but strategic bombing hasn't caused a decisive. Yes, they, yes, the Germans don't get the message, uh, so to speak. They don't, yeah. they don't get a message. The flip side of that is that actually, I would say it's a lot more effective than at first appears to be the case because yeah. of this huge diversion of resources to the defence of the right, which, which yeah. as, you know, Phillips, Payson, O'Brien and, and, and others have pointed out, becomes the priority yeah. financially, economically. 45.5% of all German fighter strength is over the, is in Germany. Yes. Over the Reich. You think how that could be applied elsewhere, how that's conceding dominance of the air in other theatres. 
Yep. You know, and, and obviously allied air strength in the Mediterranean, for instance, is becoming sort of absurd, but that's, but that's partly because of German absence that they're able to dominate because the Germans in the second half of 1943 are sending their aircraft to Germany. They're not, they're not sending them abroad. You know, you, you have, and this is another one of the, this is one of those points, isn't it? You have to, you have to view the world, the, the world war in terms of it being a world war. That what happens in Sicily affects what happens in Kursk, which is affected by what's, you know, happening in Hamburg. If someone sat there going, well, where do we send our fighter planes? Where are they most needed? The conclusion is the home front. Almost half of their fighter strength is, is in is in Germany and northern France, obviously. Yeah, but, but, but it's not just that so much of their fighter strength is there. It is the huge amount of effort oh, to maintain yeah. that enormous fighter strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the yes. point. It's, it's, it's you know, your capacity. And that, that's where you're suddenly getting to, by the beginning of 1944, 43% of the German war economy being defent on, on air defence. I know, which is amazing. Which is absolutely think amazing. what that what well, that is. Well, and at the same time, as Lydia Jane pointed out to me, which I had not really considered beforehand... 480 minesweepers being built during the war to deal with the directly mines. because of mine, you know, RAF bomber command mine laying operations. So, so that 43 percent of the of, of on on aircraft production and and anti aircraft gun production and defence of the Reich also added to that, put on top of that. Not in that forty-three percent is people building four hundred and eighty mine minesweepers. Well, minesweepers well, are they're the same size as a destroyer. I mean, yeah. you know, they're kind of you know one hundred and twenty foot long or whatever it is. I mean, you know, they're they're big old beasts, one hundred twenty, one hundred twenty yards long, whatever it is. Yeah, well, foot long. well, so that takes us back to the idea of you know the bomber offensives have sprung from the brow of a naval attitude to, um you know, blockading Germany. Yeah. It's all part of the same thing. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. But but, and, but my and, point well, is... But, also, is, is but, just, but Jim, but Jim, Jim, this isn't... If you think of it as an air war, you're ignoring its land effect and its naval effect. It's it's the things in 3D, isn't it? Yeah. That you're, you're, def you're defeating and diverting the German Navy by bombing... Um, uh, by mining, by by an, by an air effort. I mean, I think it's really, really. That's such a that's such a great point of hers. That is absolutely fantastic. It's it's absolutely amazing, and I just hadn't considered. It. You think about all those U boats that could have been built. Yeah. In, instead of four hundred and eighty minesweepers, it's it's enormous. But think about about the the overall basis that was being worked out by the end of nineteen forty one. This idea that you're just you're killing the workers. Well, yeah. that has worked. I mean, you know, you've, yes. they've also killed their workers on the Eastern Front by sending them, taking them out yeah. of the factories, but they're putting yeah. someone else in the factories. Yeah. You know, increasingly, by the end of 1943, beginning of 1944, they're dependent in their factories, not of the traditional working class workers, but on slave labor, which yeah. is less efficient. And one of the reasons they need that slave labor is because they've taken it, because they've been killed in the factories by the, yeah. you know, because yeah. the younger guys have been sent off the Eastern Front, but you've still got middle-aged men yeah. working and, and women working in the factories, increasingly so. And they're being killed by these, these, these you know, by Hamburg and by yeah. attacks on Bochum and Duisburg yeah. and, and, and all the rest of it, which means you're the, you then don't have a workforce, which means yeah. you then got to train up um, a, a, a prisoner of war or, or slave labor force, which is never go, you know, which is problematic because you haven't got so many people to kind of do the training. Yeah. You've then got to, they're never going to be as efficient because they're unmotivated. They've got no reason for doing it at all. So you get more dud, dud bombs being dropped and shells being dropped and, and inefficient. Your tiger tank's more likely to break down. Yeah. 
I mean, and the mark of the respect they're held in in Hamburg is they're not allowed in air raid shelters. The people you are relying on to keep your war effort going aren't allowed in air raid shelters. So the, there's there's your hole in the heart of the absolutely every aspect of not the, the Nazi logic around its war effort. Yeah. So, so I would I would argue that Hamburg is is every bit as successful as everyone you know as it is first made out to be. The the long term consequences, which is which are what uh, are debated, and that actually ultimately it was a failed policy, blah blah blah. That that Harris got carried away. I, I think you can you can actually argue against that a little bit. I would say that the strategic air campaign was incredibly effective, had a profound impact on the outcome of the war. But it doesn't make you feel very easy about it, no, you know. No. You know, considering it, and 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 so it's like a lot of these things. It, it's it's different to how we think, but but maybe not in the way that we we would necessarily necessarily want. Yeah, and uh, the but, thing but, is, you know, wars and wars against against you know states such as the Nazi state are not going to be won by being nice. That's the point. You know, you have to take some really bad decisions and you have to be brutal and you have to be ruthless and you have to, uh, you have to sort of, you know, cross that terrible Rubicon yeah. because otherwise it's, <laughs> but it also, I mean, I think you're it throws, not going to win anytime soon. I think it throws, throws some other questions up around. Let's say that the atomic bomb is ready in time to be used on Germany. Right. Yeah. Well, I can't see why um, Arthur Harris, Portal, Winston Churchill, anyone involved in make, making that decision would have said would no it. to that. Yeah. No. And then you've got a nuclear, you've got a nuclear attack on Europe. P- point. That's point one. Um, point two. Don't think it would have worked. You know, <laughs> because Hamburg doesn't work. Dresden doesn't work. Yeah. Um, all the all and all the raids in between. Because let's not forget, Dresden is Dresden is is not. Well, it might work if they're all in. Uh, they're all in. <laughs> As it, a well, if bomb was it, dropped in Berlin, yeah, Berlin they're all there, yes, and, and they're all there, and you get them all. Yeah, yeah but do, do you see my point? I do, because after all, the the the, the Americans have destroyed um, Tokyo, and yeah. that 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 conventionally, as it were, uh, that doesn't work. And the two atomic bombs seem to tip the balance. I mean, it's it's just it's the, the the question of where all this comes from, which is the idea of the pure application of industrial force in order to bring a decision in a war in form of a bomber offensive, that doesn't work. No. The, the, the Where the idea came from, it doesn't work. Its effects are quite different. And Harris is still saying, we do this again, I reckon we, we could push Germany over by bombing this year. Harris is saying that in 43. You know, we're on the verge of a final showdown. What he's saying to Portal in, in August, only a month later, well, not even a month later, a couple of weeks later, he he sees it as as that they've done, they have struck a decisive blow. I mean, the other thing I think is really amazing is that the Hamburg raid. This is uh, uh, Richard Overy's book about the bombing war. He says it doubled, had the effect of doubling the amount of damage inflicted on German cities so far. That one raid, mm. or that ten-day raid, amazing, rather. isn't it? It's absolutely yeah. amazing that they they they're reaching their. I think it was. I think it was a decisive success. It just the long-term effects of it didn't play out how Harris had expected no. or hoped but it still had very very impactful long-term consequences as yeah. you know on so many different levels i mean of course it did for people living in uh, living or being killed in, in in hamburg but i think it, it it has a profound effect on the nazi leadership it, and, it, and it redirects the, the nazi war economy totally well albert speer if you repeat this sex success on four or five other german towns then we would collapse is what is is what he said um on the secret war program you know, in 1977, by, by which time, you know, Speer's got his, ex- well, he's got his excuses in um, uh, uh, and so on. 
obviously, as we've as we've outlined, there isn't anywhere else like Hamburg that you can do that to quite, and and they get bogged down in the Battle of Berlin, which arguably the, the um, bomber command sort of lose, don't they? Um, because they they can't bring this about in Berlin, they can't bring decision in Berlin. Yes, although having said that, you know, when you're looking at the destruction of Berlin at the end of the war, most of that's been caused not by um, by Soviet shells; it's been caused by RAF bomber command bombs. But yeah, but 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 just fascinating. I think um, it's it's grimly fascinating. You know, I'm glad we've covered that. I think it's an important one to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to do Kursk, you've got to do this. You really yeah, do. Yeah, really. God, it's come thick and fast for the Germans, isn't it? In 1943, bloody hell. Well. Well, we, you know, come back to the thing I always say is that's when you've that's when you've lost. That's when you've, you've yeah, you've, yeah. That's where you've, so it, you've you've it's had really your, the daddy. Yeah, it's the yeah. daddy year, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, very good. Uh, well, there we go. That's um. Uh, well, what's our next? What's our next next big um uh, uh anniversary for forty three? What comes next? Well, might just have to be the invasion of, of Italy. All right. Okay. You you written about that lately? Well, yeah, a word or two. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I've sort of slightly eaten my own sandwiches already. Vague talking yeah, about that one, tiny bit, in, tiny in, bit. The, in the write up. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks, Jim. Um, thanks yeah, no, everybody well, for thanks listening. To you. We hope that's been. Uh, um, there's lots to chew on, and a lot of it. Lots to think about, isn't there? Lots to think about. Lots to chew on it, and and uh, to be honest, a lot a lot to chew on, and a lot of it's gristle. You know, it's mm. um. Mm. It's difficult stuff in the core of this. And, you know, you'll have, I'm sure we'll have people going, yes, but the bomber command crews, their sacrifice is important and they were very brave. And you, we're not, we're not for one 100%. second. No, I couldn't not, agree not for more. one second calling any of that into question. But you've got to, you've got to weigh the bomber command's destructive capacity and its origins uh, in the, you know, in the, in the yep. moral scales of the Allied effort. You really do. Yep. You really do. You really do. Brilliant. Well, thanks for listening, Good everyone. Stuff. We'll see you all very soon. Cheerio. Cheerio. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration.
In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.